0: Today on Let the Bible Speak. One change can transform everything about a business or an organization. And the same thing is true with your life. Good day and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. It's my privilege to be with you today to spend a few minutes together in the Word of God. The Bible is God's Word and it contains the power of God through His Spirit to change and transform our lives. And that's what I wish to talk to you about today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, Paul writes, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul here explains that he and all those who are saved see Christ in a whole different light than before. The carnal mind, which saw the Christ as an earthly and political deliverer, for example, and which judged men on the basis of whether he was a Jew or a Gentile, rich or poor, bond or free, now sees Christ for who he truly is, and judges men solely on the basis of their relationship to Christ. Paul summarizes this transformation of thought and life by saying that If a man is in Christ, he is a new creation, and everything about him has changed. All that was old has now become new. Well, this suggests a theme that I want us to consider in light of our own lives today under new management. What changes when Christ takes possession, moves into our heart, and takes over as our Lord? Is your life under new management? I'll return with a lesson after a song from the congregation. Amen. Oh. you've been to a restaurant and went away disappointed and dissatisfied. The food was cold or didn't taste very good, the dining room was dirty, the staff was lazy or disorganized, and the service lacking. When such is the case, the problem can usually be traced back to poor management. Either someone doesn't know how to run a business, or they don't know how to manage employees, and over time that establishment falls into a state of neglect and will probably eventually go out of business. But let's say one day you pass by and there is a sign in the window or by the road that says in bold letters, under new management. And you decide to give it another chance. You walk in and everything seems to have changed. The servers are friendly and helpful. The food is good. The inside is clean and perhaps updated. And suddenly that establishment has a whole new appeal. In fact, it doesn't even seem like the same restaurant. Well, you would conclude that new management meant a new way of doing business, and if that management is good, the difference can almost immediately be seen. Well, that simple illustration holds true in life in general, and it holds true in our spiritual life. When we try to live under our own oversight, we're really under the management of the devil. We may not realize that, but it's true nonetheless. Paul said in Romans 6 verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey... You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin and of death or of obedience leading to righteousness. There are only two alternatives. You either serve the Lord or you serve the devil. There's no in-between. And when we serve the devil, his intention is to make a mess of our lives and to ultimately bring death and destruction. This is, of course, where most of the world is today. In trying to live life their way and in resisting the lordship and authority of Jesus over their lives, They are instead serving Satan, and Satan is a poor manager. Paul also said, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, verse 23. But the person who is converted to the power of the gospel and becomes a Christian enters an entirely new domain. Paul says in Colossians 1 and verse 13 that He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The very word kingdom implies rule and lordship over subjects and over territory. Well, Satan is the ruler of this world which has rebelled against God. But when we are redeemed from our sins by the death of Christ, we are brought into his kingdom and we become his subject and we recognize him as our king and his kingdom is ultimately victorious. Thus, we are under new management when we enter that kingdom. The Apostle Paul characterized it like this in our text. He said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, Notice carefully how Paul says we become something entirely new. All things become new. He doesn't say that Christ changes a few things about our life He doesn't say that Christ gives us a few new habits to pick up. He doesn't say that Christ cuts off uh, a few bad things or vices out of our life. Rather, he says we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. In other words, something changes in Christ. Sometimes I hear well-meaning church members say, concerning some moral person who has not obeyed the gospel, oh, if they would just be baptized, they really wouldn't have to change much. But regardless of how morally clean of a life a person may seem to live, such a statement misses the whole point of conversion and sanctification and undermines the importance and power of the gospel. You see, when a person is outside of Christ, there's more amiss in their life than merely a few indiscretions or weaknesses or failings. That person is a sinner. And there's no such thing as a little bit of a sinner or a whole lot of a sinner. There's not uh, a great sinner, but yet not, uh, not so bad of a sinner. Uh, all outside of Christ are sinners and condemned to death. They are wretched in the sight of God. Before any person comes to Christ, they are unclean, unholy, unconverted, and unfit to enter the presence of the Lord. It may not immediately appear so to us, but one who has not obeyed the gospel of Christ belongs to a different kingdom the kingdom of Satan. He thinks on a different plane. He thinks like the world thinks. He lives by a whole different rule. He's motivated by something entirely different and is ultimately from another world and thus destined for a far different place. All of that changes though when one enters Christ. Christ remakes him or her into a new creation. That person is born again, as Jesus stated in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. That person starts life anew. And everything about that life, from the inside to the outside, changes. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have become new. He or she comes under new ownership and new management. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? First, the person who comes under Christ's ownership and management has a new life. The Scriptures teach of every sinner that he or she is dead in trespasses and sin, spiritually dead. But when that same person comes into Christ through obedience to the gospel, they are made alive. Paul thus said in Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 that when they were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Just as Jesus died on the cross, when in faith and repentance we are baptized into Christ, we too die, that is, the old man dies with Christ. And just as He was raised up on the third day for our justification, so we are raised from the waters of baptism to be a new creation, forgiven of our sins, declared righteous in Him, and begin to walk in a new life. Now this is the essence of conversion. The old man is to be buried, and a new man or woman is to come forth. The Christian life is truly the land of beginning again. It is not only the erasing of all of the sins of the past, but it is a whole new life set before us. That's God's will for you. I think most people at one time or another wish they could live at least part of their life over again. I I think at some point the regrets and failures and missed opportunities of life come back to haunt us and we sigh and we wish that only if we could go back and do it all over again. Well, we can't go back and undo the past, but God, by His grace and in His mercy, does offer us the opportunity to go forward with the past forgotten and a new life in Christ before us. You can have that today. If you're willing to believe and trust Christ and turn away from your sins and repentance, thus surrendering to Christ Christ in obedience to take your stand with Him by confessing Him as the Son of God and are willing to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, He has promised a new start for you and a new life can be yours to live. Friend, Christ didn't come to improve your life. He didn't come to give you some pointers to make the life you have happier and more successful. He has declared the life you have lived under your own management a mess and a failure and a lost cause. And he wants to take possession. He wants to bury that old life in the sea of his forgetfulness, and he wants to give you a whole new spiritual existence, all things becoming new. Second, when we come under Christ's ownership and management, we have a new position an attitude towards sin. Go back now to Romans chapter 6 and look what Paul wrote in verses 5 through 7. He says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin." Now, the Christian's relationship to sin is entirely different. Not only does Paul say that the body of sin is done away with and we are freed from sin, he rhetorically asked back in verse 2, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now, the reason Paul asked that question is because he is answering the objection that would be raised by the legalist who says that if salvation is by grace through faith, then why not just continue in sin and receive more grace? Paul says that's unthinkable. Certainly not, he says. He says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now sometimes you hear people who claim to be Christians today say, oh, I'm just an old sinner. If you point out what the Bible says about some sinful practice or behavior, they they might say something like, well, we're all sinners anyway. As if to say, why make such a big deal about sin when we're all sinners anyhow? Now, on one hand, it's true that nobody but Jesus has lived a sinlessly perfect life. John, writing to Christians, said in 1 John 1 and verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But he didn't say that to justify a Christian continuing in and living in sin. He said that pointing out the need to confess our sins, which implies repentance, and seek cleansing in the blood of Christ. It's true as James said in James 3 and verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. And the Greek word for stumble there is the same Greek word he used in chapter 2 and verse 10 when he said if we offend in one point of the law, we're guilty of all of the law. The word there means to trip and figuratively it means to sin or to fail. So it's very true that as we grow in the likeness of Christ, we still contend with sin. We contend with our failures along the way. But friend, this is no rationalization or justification for a child of God continuing in sin or ignoring sin and thinking he can live in sin without repentance and without impunity. Absolutely not. And anyone who tries to use the grace of God to justify a Christian continuing in any kind of sin is perverting the gospel and doing so to their own damnation and perhaps to the damnation of others that they influence with such an ungodly doctrine. What does the Bible mean when it says we are made free from sin? We have been delivered from sin, or we no longer live in sin. It not only means that we have been freed from the guilt of the sins of our past, but it means that we've been delivered from the bondage and dominion of sin in our hearts and our lives now. The Christian is to strive to live a sinless life. We are to live on a different plane. We are to strive to only do those things that please and honor Christ. We are to treat sin as God looks at sin. We're to treat sin as a deadly interloper and a hated enemy and thus fortify our heart and our body against it. I've used this illustration before. If you come home one day to find a thief has broken into your house and stolen something, you would be horrified. You would be alarmed. You would call the police and give them whatever help you could in catching the thief and putting them behind bars. They weren't welcome there and they didn't belong there. And not only that, you would be asking for more trouble if you didn't check the doors and windows and reinforce your home against intruders after it was over. You would want to know how they got in, where the breakdown in security was, and you would take action to keep them out in the future. You certainly wouldn't open the door and turn down the covers in the guest room. Well, that's how it is with sin in the life of a Christian it doesn't belong there. It should never be welcomed there. We should fortify our faith against his temptation. We should take whatever steps we can take to avoid it and keep it out. You see, God hates sin. And a person who is in Christ hates sin as well. He has a whole different attitude towards sin. Now, the person out in the world just lives for sin. He doesn't think anything about sin. But the Christian is to hate sin. And if that's not your attitude and my attitude towards sin, we're not living under Christ's management. Paul said in Colossians 3 verses 5 and 6 Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Well, that certainly doesn't sound like the Christian just shrugs and excuses sin in his or any other Christian's life under the guise that he's just a sinner anyhow. The Christian has been made free from sin and is to thus live. But the person under new management also lives by a different rule. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now there are two rules or two forces by which a person lives their life. They either live in the flesh or they live according to the Spirit. Now the flesh, in and of itself, is not wrong. Human beings have instincts and physical appetites, for example, physical desires. It's not wrong to be hungry. The body needs food to live, and the body craves food when it needs it to survive. To become a glutton, however, is a different matter. Gluttony is a sin. We should eat to live, not live to eat. And when one gives in to overindulgence, Well, he's being controlled by the flesh, you see. Sexuality is not wrong in and of itself. God created it for a purpose. When it is practiced between a man who is scripturally married to a woman, it is a holy and wholesome thing. However, when one is controlled by their instinct or their desire, they're allowing the flesh to rule, and sin enters the picture. The Christian, though, doesn't allow the flesh to control them, but rather they bring the flesh under the control of the spirit. God's spirit determines how we live. God's spirit determines what is right and what is wrong. God's spirit decrees what is proper and what is unholy. And when we walk in the spirit, we are controlled by the spirit who guides and teaches us by means of the word that he inspired and gave to us. Now, the world does what it does because people in the world live according to the flesh. That's the plane on which they live. They do what pleases them. They do what brings them pleasure. They do the things that bring temporal reward to the flesh. The Christian is different, though. He now walks by a different rule and is controlled by a different power, and that is God's word and God's power. He lives to please the Lord and not him or herself. He subjects himself to the influence of God's Spirit through the means of the living and transforming word of the Spirit, the word of God. Now you can't expect the world to do much different than what it always has. If you're waiting around for the world to become a better place, well that's not going to happen. The world is the world, has always been the world and always will be the world because the people of the world live according to the flesh. They live in the flesh and are thus under the dominion of the devil. The gospel changes people though, Christ changes people. Those who are in Christ are not only no longer under condemnation according to Paul, but walk according to the spirit and not in the flesh. Finally, when new management takes over, we live by different motivation. We live for those things that are not seen as opposed to the things that are. Now people of the world live for what? The here and the now. They don't live their lives in view of judgment and eternity. In fact, many, of, uh, many worldly people just try to push that as far out of their minds as they possibly can. They don't live their lives in view of what pleases and honors God. They are wrapped up in the things of the world, and all of their hopes lay in the things of this life. Paul, however, said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In that context, Paul is talking about bearing up under suffering. And the Christian can do that because he knows that he has eternal life. You see, everything about the Christian is different in his attitude, his motives, his life, not only because of what Christ is doing for him or her now, but because of what Christ has promised them in the future. We are but pilgrims passing through this dark and troubled world. We are strangers here. We have no permanent city here, but look for one to come. And we do not look at the things that we can see, but at the things we cannot see, which are lasting and eternal. Friend, that's what happens when you let Christ Jesus take over. You become a new creation, Old things pass away and all things become new and your life is something it never could have been under your own management. Won't you hand the keys to the door of your heart over to the Lord? Sign the deed over to Him today in gospel obedience. Be baptized into Christ and rise to walk in the joys and the wonders of a brand new life in Him.
1: Though the way of sin I one time did embrace Jesus died for me and all my sins erased, my soul is saved, praise holy name, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man, my sins are washed away, I've been born again.
0: Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos including Let the Bible Speak Classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. Are you ready now to submit to Jesus Christ as your Lord and the King of your heart? You need to begin by obeying His gospel. Do you believe that He is the Christ? Do you believe what the Word of God says about him is true, that he is the Son of God sent from heaven, who died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again? Are you thus willing to repent of your sins, to turn away from your sin and to surrender control of your life to him? Are you prepared to confess that you believe he is the Christ before men and to be buried with him in baptism for the remission of your sins and come forth a new creation in Christ? Today can be not only a whole new day for you, It can be the beginning of a whole new life. And I hope that if we can help you take those steps, you'll get in touch with us. And you will take those steps and become a child of God today. If you'd like a free printed copy of our lesson, we'll be glad to send it to you. The lesson is entitled, Under New Management. Ask for it by that title and your free printed copy will be on its way. Uh, Remember that we're online, ltbstv.org. We also have a podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe and listen to us throughout the week and keep up with us that way. And please make an appointment to join me back here next time at this same time to study the Word of God together. Until then, I pray you have a blessed day. You have a good week ahead. May God richly bless you according to His will. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by the Church of Christ. For more information,
1: including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org.